Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. In miracles. Does anybody still believe that God can do miracles? I do. Today we're going to approach this message from like an uh, apologetics perspective. That means like it's the study of how to defend. I just felt like God was asking me to defend the supernat- his supernatural power to you. Not that he needs to, but I want to give you a way of understanding it because some, some things in our lives that happen and we wonder why do they happen if God can do miracles. And I want you to know I believe in them. And I don't just believe in them because the Bible says it, although that would be enough. I believe in them because I've seen them. I've seen some unexplainable things happen in my life. Uh, with my wife, there's a, a story that's become an anchor for her side of the family and ours now, and that's her grandma Flora. Her grandma Flora moved from Puerto Rico to New York City because she had a terminal cancer diagnosis. Her husband sold all of their bodegas and businesses, moved to New York, thinking that the doctors there could help. The doctors could not help. When she realized that the cancer was going to take her life, she was in her late 20s, and she decided that cancer would not beat me. If anything is going to end my life, I'm going to end my life. So she looked out her window of her apartment in New York City and decided that this was going to be the day she jumped out of that window and took her life. Cancer, she would not die slowly from cancer. On the day that she decided to jump out of the window, staring out at that street, she heard a, a knock at the door. She goes over to the door, opens up the doors. There's two ladies on the other side of the door. She said, can I help you? She said, yes, we're from the local church of the community. And we're just knocking on doors to see if there's anything we can pray for. She said, well, I don't think you can pray for me. I've got cancer. It's going to take my life. She said, no, we can pray for that. They prayed for Liz's grandma, Grandma Flora. Long story short, that was in her late 20s. Grandma Flora passed away at the age of 84, not from cancer. God did a miracle in her life. I remember working as an intern in South Carolina. And I was operating the food bank that week, and we had run out of food. And there was one more family that came after the food had run out. Once you run out, you run out. And the family asked, is there anything you can do for me? And I didn't have any money on me as an intern. I didn't have any food. And then the story of James, Peter, and John at the gate of beautiful in the New Testament came to my mind where they saw the paralyzed man. They said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. So I told the lady, I said, listen, I got no money and I got no food. Is there anything I can pray for? (laughs) She said, well, the last couple of years, I've been suffering from arthritis real bad. I looked at her hands. They were curled up. She said, I got pain in my hands. I haven't been able to open or close them pain-free for years. I said, well, I'll pray for your hands. Can I pray for your hands? She said, yeah. Prayed for her hands. At the end of the prayer, she started moving her hands. She started to cry completely pain-free. God had restored and eliminated the arthritis right there in the moment. I remember being an intern in South Carolina, praying for a a guy living on the street who was obviously wasted. You know someone's wasted, not just by the way they talk or walk. They're real wasted when their eyes are shiny, like super duper shiny. I could see my reflection in his eyeballs. They were so glossy. And I was preaching the gospel to him. I was telling him about Jesus. And he was like, yeah, man, yeah, absolutely, Jesus. And I was like, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He was like, 100%, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. I'm like, this guy don't even know what's going on right now. But I was like, just put his hand on. I said, man, just repeat after me. And he said the sinner's prayer. And he asked Jesus to forgive him for his sins and make him the Lord of his life. And in the middle of the prayer, he begins to cry. At the end of the prayer, I look up. His eyes have gone completely regular completely snapped into sobriety from the beginning of prayer to the end of prayer. God had taken him completely out of his drunkenness. He was in his clear mind. He's like, I need to go to church on Sunday. And we showed up on Sunday morning to start a new relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, miracles are real. I've seen them. But if they're real, we got to 
tackle some questions because I know there's some questions you have. And here's the first question I believe that the world has when they think about miracles. If miracles are real, why doesn't God do more miracles to prove to the world that he exists? Doesn't that make sense? If God is real, why doesn't he just empty out a cemetery? That'll do it. Church will be packed the next Sunday, right? Why don't we go into the children's the ward at, at St. Jude and start praying and laying hands on all the little sick kids that are passing away from leukemia and cancer, get them all out of there. Then God will do the miracle. Here's why that doesn't work like that. Because believe it or not, miracles do not prove or disprove God's existence. You know how I know? Here's how I know. Jesus spent three years doing miracles, hundreds of them, and they killed him. Huh? Some believed, the others crucified him. Jesus casted out devils, and you know what they called them? The king of devils. He healed the blind man, and you know what they did? They went and found the blind man's parents to check if the man was really born blind. And when the parents said he was born blind, they said, you're lying. They called it a scam. They thought that the blind man was a plant in the crowd. Because people don't believe... Luke chapter 16, there's a conversation happening in hell where a person who is in hell having a conversation with someone who is in paradise. Abraham and this man, Lazarus, is not the Lazarus, Jesus' friend who was resurrected. A different Lazarus is in paradise and they're having a conversation. The man who is in hell looks at, the, at Abraham and says, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they got Moses and the prophets. In other words, they got the Bible and they got the church. Let them listen to them. And then the guy in hell says, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. This is like the whole Christmas carol thing. It's like, if you send Jacob Marley to Scrooge, he will repent. You got to go ghost of Christmas, pass on him, Jesus. Come on, do that. And this is what Jesus gives us a window to. He goes, Abraham says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if the Bible and church is not enough, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. If I were to pray for someone in a wheelchair right now to get up and begin walking, some people would believe that that was a miracle. You would believe that that was a miracle because you believe in miracles. Other people would not believe that that was a miracle. Other people would not believe that that's a miracle because they don't believe in miracles. And so they would be forced to rationalize what they saw to align with their preconceived notions. They'll look at it and say, it's not a miracle. It's, it's a scam. It's a setup. He, was, he wasn't paralyzed. Maybe he had some ankle pain, some knee pain. I wrote it like this. You don't believe what you see. You believe what you perceive. And I want to I don't, I don't prove to you that you can't prove miracles, that God's existence with miracles by, by showing you this. So it's irony, but I'm going to prove to you that you can't prove it <laughs> with some optical illusions. Would you put the first one on the screen really quickly? And so how many people are seeing what I'm seeing and you're seeing this block go from left to right and the color is changing from gray to pink. Do you see the color changing? Raise your hand so that I know that this works for you. You see the color online, raise your hand, you see it working. You see it going from gray to gray to pink, gray to pink. What if I told you that that box is not changing at all, that it's the same color all the way through? I'll prove it. We took screenshots and put them next to each other. This is the boxes right next to each other. Not gray, not pink. It's the same color, but, but we think it's different. It's, called, it's an effect. It's called the chromatic induction effect. Listen, it appears to change in color because the perceived color actually shifts because of the color it's surrounded by. God ministered to me like this when I was looking at the illustration. He said, what you see is affected by what you're surrounded by. A serious miracle, a serious miracle surrounded by a skeptical mind does not see a miracle. They see a coincidence. They see luck. They see chance. 
They don't see the supernatural because they don't believe in the supernatural. Why? Because context interprets content. When my wife um, does not get listened to at the home, and that does not happen often, but there are times when she says something and, and we don't respond right away and she feels disrespected. But what's happening is that the TV's on and me and the boys are so into the show or the game that we literally, we don't hear her. And so I tell her, baby, it's not that you're being disrespected, it's that we're being distracted. But the reason why she feels disrespected is because she grew up the third youngest daughter of three daughters and she didn't get a lot of uh, attention in that sense. Her family kind of ignored her opinions and kind of disregarded her. And so she interprets our our distraction as disrespect because of the context of her childhood. The context of her childhood interprets the way that she sees the content of her marriage. Are you seeing that? It changes based on what you are surrounded by. Life is like that brick. It is what it is. And it's not going to change overnight. And definitely without God's help. But if you change what it is, what it's surrounded by, you can change the way you see it. If you you make sure that you're surrounded by godly people in a small group, if you make sure that you're surrounded by a worldview or philosophy that is built on God's word, if your heart is surrounded by the leading of the Holy Spirit, it will change what you see even when what you're living is not changing. Put, Put it on the screen one more time. So then all of a sudden, because you're surrounded differently, all of a sudden, it's not a mess. It's a message. It's not a test. It's a testimony. It's not a breakdown. It's a breakthrough. That's not my child. That's a miracle. That's not my mom. That's a miracle. That's not the job that I hate to go to. That job is a miracle. That's not an emotional response to music. That's the presence of God filling the place. That was my soul standing at attention when God's presence entered the building. And that's a miracle. What you're surrounded by changes what you see. God is trying to get our eyes off of needing to see it to believe it. Because if you got a faith that is constructed on what you see, then what you see can destroy that faith. Are you tracking me? Matthew 24, 24 says this, for false Christ shall arise and false prophets will do wonderful miracles so that if it were possible, even God's chosen ones would be deceived. Let me translate. Don't believe everything you can see. Let me show you one more. Let me show you one more optical illusion. Go ahead, put the squiggly lines in. Okay, how many people, if you're looking at that one or if you're looking at the one on the screen, raise your hand if you see the lines moving. You see the lines moving, the squiggly lines moving. If you don't see the lines moving, look around you. There are plenty of people who see the lines moving. You see the squiggly lines turning? All right, look at me. What if I told you that those squiggly lines are not moving? Are you ready? Everybody who saw squiggly lines, look at the center of the circle. Stare at the center of the circle. When you stare at the center of the circle, all of a sudden the lines stop moving. The lines were never moving. You know why it felt like they were moving? If you notice every line, it's just a little bit off and a little bit off. So your mind is actually trying to align to what you think is true. Your experience is determining your truth. 
But when I made you focus on the middle circle, all of a sudden, the line stopped moving. What you did then was when you found out what was true, all of your experiences began to align with what was true. Here's the take-home message. Ready? Do not allow experiences to determine your truth. Let truth determine your experiences. When I pray for a sick person and that sick person does not get well, I don't stop praying for sick people because prayer doesn't work. I'm not going to allow that experience to dictate what I believe. I pray for sick people because in James chapter 5, it says, gather the elders, get some oil, and lay some hands on sick people so that they can be well. The miracle is God's job. Obedience is my job. I'm going to take my experiences and I'm going to align them to truth, not the other way around. When I tithe, and things get tight when I start tithing, I don't stop tithing because tithing doesn't work. Giving God the first 10% of my income, I start looking around my life and realize, you know what? Things aren't doing so well in my finances, but I didn't notice this, but my marriage has been really good. I mean, we've been... It's been good. You know, my kids, their grades are starting to... Why? Because when I force my experiences to line up with my truth, I start looking around and seeing God didn't lie. It was there all along. I don't wait for the evidence of my life to determine the verdict of my faith. I take the verdict of my faith and I start looking for evidence in my life that supports the verdict of my faith. That God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That he can do big and powerful things. Align your experiences to your truth, not the other way around. Here's the next question. Well, okay, Pastor Jade, so miracles are happening in the world, but here's my second question. If miracles are real, why haven't I seen them? To that, I would respond, who says you haven't? Who says you haven't? Here are the answers. Why haven't I seen them? I'm gonna give you two answers. Number one, because the miracles you don't see are the ones God did without you knowing. I have a, a, one of my favorite authors, and now he's a friend, Mark Batterson. He, uh, he wrote a book, and in his book, he tells a story about a guy at his church who drove to his house at 3 a.m. And, and stretched his hand out towards Pastor Mark's home and prayed for him. The next day, he met Pastor Mark at church, and he said, Pastor Mark, I don't normally do this, but I felt like I had to go to your house at 3 a.m. and stretch my hand out and pray for your house. Did anything happen at 3 a.m.? <laughs> Pastor Mark said, No. He said, oh man, now I'm that weird guy. Uh, I didn't want to be the weird guy. My bad. He goes, don't apologize. Look what he said. He goes, maybe nothing happened because you prayed. Have you ever thought about that? I can't wait till we get to heaven and God shows us all the things that didn't happen to us. When we start to complain to him about all the things that he allowed to happen to us. God, I, can't, I love you. Thanks for getting me in, but you took my dad at a young age. God, I love you. Thanks for taking me in, but you, you, my marriage fell apart. God, I love you. Thanks for taking me in, but my husband died of cancer at 32. God, I love you. He goes, I, I hear you. Now let me show you all the things that could have happened, that should have happened, that would have happened had it not been for my grace and my protection and my angelic protection. Here's the other reason why, why you haven't seen them, because God often uses the natural to the supernatural. Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 is the story of the Red Sea dividing. I always thought that it was just God defying the laws of physics. Like the, the Lord told the water to stand up, so the water stood at attention. Yeah. That's not what happened. Read it again. Exodus 14, 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water. With a what? With a what? There's nothing supernatural about a wind. A wind is a natural occurrence. God doesn't create the laws of physics to break them. He works within them to do the things he works within nature to do supernatural. Right. He uses a natural thing like a wind to do a supernatural thing like split the sea. Let me give you a story that exemplifies this. I've shared this story before because 
it impacted me because I almost died. It's two weeks now I share stories of almost dying. It's a miracle I'm here. This one was me trying to impress a girl by swimming to an island. I know, context. We were at a, at a beach camping out and, uh, and, and there was an island that looked really close. How many people know the island is never as close as it seems? And she was very athletic and she ran marathons. And so I was like, I'm gonna impress this girl by swimming to this marathon. So I'm like, I'm gonna swim to this island. And, and, and she, said, she said, I'll swim with you. I said, let's go. And we started swimming and then she passed me. She made it to the island, I did not. I ran out of energy, I ran out of strength halfway through, then I caught a cramp. I didn't know, I thought I was gonna die. You know how you know that you're gonna die? You start praying the sinner's prayer. I was halfway through the lake, I said, Father, forgive me for all my sins. Anything I ever did, I know it don't work like this. I know when I said it years ago, it covered all my sins, but just in case something slipped in from that moment to this moment, if I'm going down right here, I want that when I come up to be in your presence. So it's just, I prayed that prayer and then I took one last breath. I went, oh, and I was ready, ready to sink. It was scary. And the moment I went down, I heard a voice. It was a boat had pulled up and said, hey, you need help? I said, yep. He pulled up, put me in the boat, and then drove the boat next to the girl who was swimming on the way back. <laughs> True story. Almost that, I got home. My dad said, how was the trip? I said, it was good, it was good, it was good. You don't want to share with him, the story's pretty embarrassing. He said, he said, it was crazy. He goes, around this time, and he tells me the time, he goes, God put it in my heart to start praying for you. It was the exact same time I was swimming in the lake. He goes, did anything happen around that time? I said, well, now here's the question, who saved me? Who saved me? The boat? My father's prayers? Or God? Are you ready? Yes. My father's prayers moved God to send that boat. God used a natural thing to do a supernatural thing. Here's the deal, are you ready? Just because the surgeon gives you your life back doesn't mean that's not a miracle. Because God can use natural things to do supernatural things. Just because the therapist helped your marriage get together doesn't mean it's not a miracle. Because God can use natural things to do supernatural things. Just because the anxiety medication helps you get to sleep doesn't mean that's not a miracle. God can use the natural things he made, like medicine, to do supernatural things, like put your soul to rest and give you sleep. We gotta, we gotta stop giving medicine and doctors and stuff all the credit when God created all those things. He created the leaves, he created the procedures, he created the people, and here's the worst part about being God. Are you ready? He's in a lose-lose situation. Because if he does the miracle, the doctor gets the credit. But if he doesn't do the miracle, he gets the blame. When, when, the, when, the, when the surgery goes well and the marriage gets restored, oh, thank you, therapist. Oh, thank you, anti-anxiety medication. Oh, thank you, uh, doctor. Thank you so much. And then we forget about the Lord. But if you pray for restoration and it falls apart, God, where were you? He loses if he does it and he loses if he don't. Which is the last question when it comes to miracles, while we really wrestle with them. If God can really do miracles, and this is what we all say, amen, but you ain't got to say it, just let it sit in you. Why didn't God do it for me? God has answered thousands of my prayers. I can tell you right now, but I would be a fake if I didn't stand in front of you in all honesty and say, but there were some ones he did not. Like my son, he passed away. Why didn't God do it for me then? 
Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. And it's the story of Christians and believers throughout history who did amazing things. But at the end of this Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Faith, it talks about other believers who were sawn in half, stoned to death, ridiculed, executed. Here's what it says about these people who were in the Hall of Faith. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Like Abraham, for example. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of many nations, but he only lives to see the third generation, Jacob and Esau. He never sees all those generations. He dies. Here's the thing. You don't receive everything God has promised here on earth, but you will receive everything God promised in heaven. When he gets to heaven, the Bible says in the New Testament that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus is known as a son of Abraham and a daughter of Abraham. So now Abraham in heaven is looking down and he has literally billions, not of natural children, but of spiritual children. Billions. Which is why I love the way the verse ends. The Bible says that they still had faith because they knew, put it on the screen, that if God doesn't do it for me, it must be because he has something better in mind. If you prayed for the miracle and God didn't do the miracle, it's because he had something better in mind. I want to do an illustration really quickly. So would you help me out? Amen. In one of these envelopes, there's a $5 bill, a $10 bill, and a $20 bill. If you pick the right envelope on the first try, you can take that $20 bill home with you today. Ready? Pick one envelope. No. No, you don't want that envelope. No. You don't want that envelope. Good choice. Good choice. Count that 20. Let's go. Catch this. I said no twice. Not because I was being mean. Not because I didn't love her. And not because I didn't have the power. But because I knew something she didn't know. I knew what was better. Which, which, leads, which leads to the question, if God's only going to give us what he wants, then why do we even pray? Have you, have you asked yourself that question? Why even pray if I'm only going to get what God wants to give me? Two answers. Number one, because asking is the proof that you believe God could. Would you ask me for a million dollars? I hope not. Because you know your boy ain't got it. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of energy. That's a waste of oxygen. You don't want to ask me for a million dollars. The reason why we come to God with our needs is because in asking God, it's proof that we believe God could actually do the thing that we're asking him to do. That takes faith. Asking is the proof that you believe God could, but here's where I wanted to take us home on. But receiving is the proof that you believe God's good. It takes faith to ask God for something that you don't have. But it takes even more faith to receive from God something you don't want. Because you trust that what he gives you is better. Are you with me today? It's better. It's better. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for those who are looking for miracles today. If you need a miracle in your life, if you need God to do something, and every at the end of every service in this series, we're going to be praying for miracles. What I want you to do is I want you to just, in your seat, just go ahead and stretch your hands out towards heaven. If your miracle is restoration in a relationship, if your miracle is a financial breakthrough, if your miracle is supernatural guidance, clarity, if your miracle is healing, 
if your miracle is a pregnancy, whatever it is, I still believe in miracles. With your hand lifted up, Father, we see every hand that's being raised. We see every need that's being presented to you. God, we believe you do miracles. We believe that when we speak in faith, that you move on behalf of your people because you love us, because you fight for us, Lord. But we also want to say with the same amount of faith that it takes to pray, we want to say, Lord, but whatever you have in return, we receive. Because we understand that if what we don't get, if we don't get what we're asking for, it's not because you're mean, it's not because you're withholding, and it's not because you're impotent, it's because you care about what's best for your people. And I believe that whatever I receive is better, is better, is better. Also, if you're in this room right now, let me tell you the greatest miracle is not the eyes of a blind man opening, the ears of a deaf person. It's not the opening up of a womb. The greatest miracle is a changed life, and I'm one of them. God changed my life, took a porn addict, turned him into a pastor, took a broken young man, restored his whole life, gave a kid with no future a, a hope and a plan. And if he did it in me, he can do it in you. I'm, live, I'm a living miracle preaching to you today. If you are far from God, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand up saying, Jesus, I need you in my life and I'm ready. I need a miracle. I need things to change. And I believe you're the only way you're the only one all over this building if you're ready to give Jesus a chance on three raise your right hand high I need you Jesus one two three all over this room right now I see all those hands good God thank you Lord whether you raise your hand or not I want you to repeat this prayer after me Father God I give you my life take control I believe there's a miracle taking place in me forgive me for my past protecting my future be the Lord and Savior of my life in Jesus name I pray We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.